The subject for this evening's talk is the last word. We hear both in places such as uh, Budgaya and in other parts of the world different and similar ways of looking and examining, exploring the spiritual life. And wherever there are differences, and there are multiple differences, we also hear in regard to the spiritual life different views about and through the relationship of time. I've spoken a little bit about this uh, in our previous days here together. And we will hear with considerable degree of uh, conviction and significance that spiritual life to come to its completion and its fulfillment does take a, a great deal of time. But one has to put in an immense amount of practice and we do hear that sometimes that is in terms of not just days or months or years but in lifetimes. Some people who listen to the teachings which are, are expressed in uh, that way appreciate that message and that communication in that uh, way and it can strengthen determination it can give a person a long-term view of spiritual development spiritual practice and what is referred to as making progress on the path then there are other teachings which we hear as well and the teachings will not speak so much of time and its duration for the spiritual path and its completion, but will speak of uh, surrender, will speak of being with a particular teaching and often a particular teacher, and in that <coughs> commitment to that person, to that system, to that approach, he or she is encouraged to stay very uh, exclusively and in a particular way with that person and sometimes of course there is the promise that in doing that within a year or two years or three years one will find that fulfillment that completion that uh, enlightenment and for some people that conviction of uh, the teacher will be persuasive enough for a person to uh, adopt that view, to extend her or his trust and belief and then become uh, one with that method or approach or uh, avenue. For others too, in the messages which are communicated to people sincerely and deeply interested in the spiritual life is not so much of uh, length of time in terms of period it's not so much being with a particular teacher or teaching but a certain kind of uh, form a certain specific which is encouraged which is endorsed and that person and many of you I'm sure will have heard this message will be told you just keep doing it again and again and for some that message which has been given is one of just sit and sit and sit through all your stuff and sit through it until 
it has all uh, exhausted itself and then you will know the fulfillment of things, the completion of things. Other teachers will speak again, uh, not in terms of the duration of the time, not in terms of following a particular approach, nor of being with a particular uh, teacher exclusively, no matter what the promise is, but will be told, and as some of you will have heard uh, from uh, myself in different ways, that the essential element is uh, being here and now and realization. In those various views and positions which are expressed with the authority and conviction that can go along with them, one wonders sometimes, who has the last word on all of this? Who has the last word on all of this? In exploration, in the inquiry, in the investigation into spiritual life, <coughs> something else is also of significance here, and that, that is how we view what we hear and the relationship that we have to what we hear. There is some value in we take the situation of these days that uh, you and I have been spending here together, which has said to indirectly and directly that silence is a, a very invaluable resource for the spiritual life, that we have endeavoured through the limitation of words and language to communicate that over to each and every person here, that we as teachers have experienced the uh, value of that, and yet we have said also words matter. Every time I have come to sit in this chair uh, each evening and speak with you, each time Shada and Norman have given guided meditations, instructions, uh, loving-kindness meditations, have met with you in the small groups and the one-to-one. -one. Each time that has been taking place, we have said in so many words, yes, this is a value as well. So we have said the resource of silence for spiritual enlightenment and awakening is valuable, and the resource of language and sharing and communication uh, is of equal value. But the impression and it's a very important one for the, for the genuine meditative person on life, the genuine contemplative. Something goes on in the language, particularly, and in the language of sharing and communication. And what I have in this situation in mind is the fact of the right now, sitting here with you, with the privilege of being able to talk for 40, 45 minutes about spiritual life and realization. One of the dangers in this, and it's not an unusual uh, danger, and something I think in the field of words we can miss or bypass. What I have in mind here is I speak to and give the uh, evening Dharma talk, and because the day has embraced and included a great deal of meditative awarenesses, uh, and all that is implied in sitting and walking, 
What that means is that when you listen here and now, you can, and very understandably, get the impression that the listening is a means. It's an instrument. And that the instrument of listening, meaning your willingness to apply your attention to uh, my words, is heard as an instrument, and then from that instrument that uh, is communicated, one does have the feeling afterwards, then I must go and experience what he says. I must, I must go and see for myself what uh, the Dharma teacher is speaking about. And there is a tendency, and it's a very common one in such circles as this, to listen and to regard the listening, as I mentioned, as a vehicle towards application so that the understanding of what is said is found through experience, is found through meditation. You listen, and then one meditates, and one's faith and trust is that through the meditation, what has been said will be understood through experience, through meditation. Thus, we think, rather unfortunately, the listening is a cause, and then I hope and I trust that at some point in the very near future, I will experience the effect of listening through experiences in meditation, in inquiry, in small groups, in one-to-one, -one, in the nature. Why is there this gap? Why are we saying that the words and our listening to the words is a means for an effect later on, for an understanding later on, for a, a realisation later on. Then we look at what are the vehicles which we might say are available to us, and the tradition and our experience can confirm this, for realisation and for the immediacy of it. And there are several of them. One of them, of course, is meditation itself. No question that meditation does uh, con contribute significantly for a person, for that seeing clearly, and also, also that ultimate wisdom, that ultimate uh, realization in which even the notion of seeing is dispelled. And Another, it also comes through reflection. Sometimes the expression of reflection may occur quite spontaneously. And certainly a number of times uh, during these days, quite naturally, there has been some reflecting on circumstances. Sometimes the conventional reflection has been on personal storylines. One has found oneself engaged about something of one's life which has some waves to it and the distinct impression and uh, inquiry or reflection with the reflection is that that which has arisen in one's mind has stopped. That which has arisen in one's mind, in one's heart, in one's in, as a problem, as an issue, as an area or a subject of concern, that which has arisen has stopped, stops. And one knows, one senses, deeper down inside of oneself, 
through the processes of meditation, through reflection, that there is the capacity for the mind and all that embraces and accommodates it, for the mind to stop. Also, with the field of uh, in insight and uh, realization, we see also that it can come quite naturally and spontaneously. Not so much meditation as a form, not so much through reflection on something, and certainly deeper reflection is a reflection on the circumstances of life which are non-personal. Which are non-personal. Often thinking about ourself and me and my life, what I am doing with me in my life, but there are ways and occurs in the deeper levels of the psyche where the reflection is on the nature of life itself. Not, not a a personal thing in the, in the ordinary sense. Sometimes, as I mentioned, the third is that the being touched by life awakens something in us. There is a, a receptivity, sometimes a, a, an unbelievable degree of receptivity. We hardly are aware that we are experiencing it. And in some small circumstance, quite inconceivable, unexpected, undesired, unsought for, which, as it were, comes out of the blue from any, through any vehicle, senses, memories, experiences, or whatever, touches us in such a way that it seems to trigger light inside of us, seems to open up the world in a very significant way, and we, we marvel at that. Of course, the mind wants to come in and ask, why? Why has that happened? Or, why did that happen to me? Or, how did that happen? And there's a certain humility in realization, a definite humility, in fact, in realization. And that humility is such that we put to rest the questions of how and why in life. Sometimes, this realization, it comes, of course, through language. That language which may come, may come through inquiry as we engaged in this afternoon. It may come through the small groups and the one-to-ones. But if one looks at the text, if one also takes into care and consideration one's experience in the world of spiritual realization, I would say that perhaps the most predominant way in which human beings are woken up, uh, discover and see things afresh is through this which is happening right now. This mode right now. The listening to the Dharma with as full awareness and receptivity as possible and that in that awareness and as much maximum receptivity as possible, it makes for the simultaneous cause and effect, the simultaneous transmission and realization. What is it about these kind of situations, which of course are not only taking place here, but in various parts of the world and for centuries upon centuries, 
where something can occur in this which makes for completion. What is it? In the world of uh, Dharma, in the world of teachings, sometimes we hear about the importance of the preservation of the teachings, the, the necessity to put them into the world, the significance that they have for the life of the earth and humanity. But sometimes we also forget that the essential purpose of the teachings is in fact the dissolution of them, the finishing with the teachings that they have finished for one. And one asks, where is the finish of these teachings? What is it that tells one inside they have ended? It's complete, it's, a, it's completely finished. Sometimes then, human being in the midst of sitting and listening, in the midst of meditation, in the midst of a spontaneous event, in the midst of reflection, in the, in the midst of a circumstance or whatever, he or she has experiences, and those experiences one knows it's as though they've gone to the very bottom of one's being, and something has happened inside of oneself. Some movement has taken place, some change which seems to have opened up, in whatever form of language we might say, opened up one's life. And we hear in the message of the teachings the necessity of this, the wonderful importance for a human being to have her, his, our life completely opened up. And some would say, it's opened so much that the old sense of myself, the identity of myself, of who I thought I was and believed I was, has actually no relevance anymore. It's opened up to such a degree to me in the experience that I can't say anymore that who I was is really who I am. And the old person with her or his fears, the old person with the negative judgments, the old person who plays the victim, the old person who plays the know-all, the old person with their arrogance and conceit and confusion or whatever. One says, something has happened, something has opened up to such a degree, I can't think of myself in those terms anymore, it's lost all meaning for me. So what has happened? What has happened in this? Sometimes, in those experiences of life which shake up the whole convention of who we think we are, it's such that it can, for some people, lead to tremendous opening of life. It's an opening of life itself. And it, an opening of life which for some, never closes down. But once that opening has taken place, he or she never 
not through any way could ever return back to the old because the old is dead and finished. It's become ashes in the train of history. But sometimes in the genuine uh, interpretation of an experience of something which has happened inside of oneself it can be and I have heard this of many many times over the years in this Dharma hall as much as any in any other a person has what feels to be a genuinely freeing liberating experience that it has been appearing to be confirmed through one's awareness and wisdom and through another and sometimes only to find that in the very passage of time in the days and weeks and months the old mind as it were begins to creep in and some of the old patterns begin to overshadow and it's like the self insidiously and, and in, a, in its own corrupt mode has begun to take over and one has wondered of oneself what happened? what happened that weeks ago and months ago I touched something so deep and so liberating and so awakening and yet now in this period of time a day, a month, a week, a year later I find that it was just a memory of an event and it hasn't had the staying power which is the authorization of an awakened human being. What happened? <coughs> and I've said sometimes to people who have spoken to me of the, their realization, who have spoken to me of their enlightenment, have spoken to me of the discovery of emptiness, of the finding of God, I've said sometimes, please give it a year and a day. Give it a year and a day. Let the moon and the earth and the sun, let them move together in the full cycle of things through a year and a day. And if in that year and the day has gone by, and you can say, as some will have said and do say to me, uh, Christopher, that which happened one year ago, that has not been forgotten, that has not become a memory, that has remained unshakable, I think then there is the potential and the possibility to say, Yes, it would appear that there is awakening, that there is realization, because it, is, it has been, not through any effort nor will, but it has been tested in the course of time, it's been tested in circumstances, and for many that will be east and west, north and south. A measurement of our realization, if we're going to give such a crude label as measurement, there it will be in the very circumstances of our life. But then back to the listening, back to the last word. Sometimes in the process of listening, this is the wonderful, wonderful thing about liberated life, a free life, a life of an emancipated human being. That a person says, and again I hear this uh, voice in uh, deep spirituality, the person says, Christopher, maybe myself or another person of course, I 
listened to you. And in the very process of that listening, in that talk, in that inquiry, whatever it may be, I can't say I had any major experience. I can't say that when I look at my processes, to use the word, when I look at my feelings and my vibrations and my sensations, when I turn my attention to my heart, or deeper into the heart, I can't say anything special happened. I can't say I can confirm anything because I had this extraordinary experience and I needed some extraordinary experience to feel I was awakened human being, to feel enlightenment, to feel discovery. That I just listened. And that that cause and effect wasn't that there was cause, as it were, and then an effect later on in meditation or in reflection or whatever, but simultaneously the listening and the realization was there. Nothing to do, nowhere to go, nothing to gain, nothing to hold on to. One's nature is free and it was forever free. And yet nothing happens in this whole composite of mind and body and heart. What is it? What is this? And a human being with that fullness of receptivity and interest and listening says, I understand the essence of all these teachings and the essence of all these teachings is, is in fact the ending of all these teachings. I know what that means, yet nothing here has changed. Nothing here has been no great experience, as it were, and yet the past is gone. And yet I don't feel to be under the spell of old karma, and yet I don't feel to be a bondage to my habits and to my tendencies, and yet I don't feel that I am a special human being, and yet I don't feel I have to put such charge spiritual concepts such as enlightenment or realization or liberation or awakening and attach the I to that and then say I am. Yet what has been stated in the Dharma talk is understood. And the person would not disgrace life with saying I am enlightened, I am awakened, I am a complete human being. I have seen the end of the teachings. They wouldn't think to put this I and that together because they know I is a fiction. <coughs> so as I say, we can't use in the last word, which is the end of the teachings, we can't use a measurement and can't use a measurement. And since the teachings are concerned with the immeasurable, therefore the size, so to speak, which is a measurement of your experience of something incredible happening to you or something small and seemingly uneventful happening to you in a meditation, in the listening, in the day. 
isn't going to be any kind of reference point for your realization and enlightenment. And similarly, if nothing happens to you, you can't feel anything has gone on inside of oneself, no, ex no bliss, no ecstasy, no sudden hurrah or whatever in the middle of the talk. <laughs> nothing, nothing has gone on. Yet it's not intellectual. One doesn't just absorb something at the level of the brain. And yet, as I said before, and yet one is free. And the teachings say that matters. Something happens, nothing happens, what's the difference? The last word. Then we say, we ask ourselves, we look around and it's a common enough question in Mother India as elsewhere. Since teachings of the essential nature, the true nature, the original nature, are immeasurable, since the teachings point to that and point to that again and again, how am I to know? Well, what's, how am I to know a human being who has genuinely realized something? Genuinely realized that which is incomprehensible, which we fluster with our words over. What, what, what will tell me? How will I know if someone is genuine and authentic or someone is, has just had some experiences and done a great deal of interpretation upon them and self has built itself up on it? How does one know? And whether it or not it's necessary or it's important to try to have some reassurance in our life of who is enlightened and who isn't enlightened and who's on the path and who isn't on the path and who knows the end of the teachings and who hasn't even started on the teachings or whatever. You know, there's such a great deal of measuring which goes on. But if one is to be so bold in a way with awareness and with observation, and one is to look at this world in a measured way. What kind of criteria are you going to use? What are you going to rely upon? And certainly some of us will say, the care to other human beings, the lack of violence and abuse in life <coughs> is indispensable if awakening is to genuinely mean something. If we're to speak of, of awakening, a person can't fall into what we might call today in our contemporary language abnormal psychology of depression and uh, fragmentation of, of mind and despair and schizoid tendencies and schizophrenic patterns and these various labels which have 
haunted and terrorized people and all the terror of that. This is not the life of a, an awakened person, despite the accessibility that such people have, and I've heard many stories, as you can imagine, over the years, of people who have had very important and ex religious, spiritual experiences, but when we speak of awakening, an awakened person can't fall into what in the religious language is called the hell realms. <coughs> what is another sign? What, what, if we have to make any measurement of a realization of a enlightened human being, we can't obviously dispense with the heart. And the heartfulness of that unstoppable, and one might say a, of a, an immeasurable kindness towards life. Not through effort, not through meditation practice, not through some sense of moral duty to do good and all of that that's long since gone for realization. But it's the simple and rather pure perception that others and oneself are essentially not different. That the kindness is because one is serving others, is serving oneself, serving oneself is serving others. One sees the, the, the truth of that easily without a, a thought about it. So kindness and compassion are features of that. And therefore, when we speak of ordinary <coughs> spiritual mind, we might speak of devotion and service and participation in this world. All of that expresses something, but please, for realization, for the, the insightful, liberating wis wisdom of life. If there is to be an expression, that expression surely must show itself in a wise and compassionate life. What else, what other way could we possibly give consideration what other possible reference could you and I have? But essentially, essentially, it's something which you know deep down in your being. Something you know. That despite the fluctuations of circumstances, despite the appearance of a problem, despite the issue which arises, despite the personal storylines which take place, etc. And all of that momentary appearance of things, deep down, one is a free human being. You don't need someone to confirm that for you. You don't need to be browbeaten into uh, believing this so as I say, with the teachings themselves, the fullness of the listening, outwardly or inwardly, can confirm right now the truth of all of this. One is a free and emancipated human being, and that the events of bodily life, the events of perceptional life, of feeling life, of thought life, of consciousness life, don't have the power that we imagine. They don't inhibit freedom any more than 
the clouds stop the sun shining. The nature of the sun is that it shines its light, it shines its light. And no matter what passes before its eyes, it doesn't stop the sun shining. Human beings share this same nature. And not a birth, not a movement of mind, not a meditation retreat, not being in prison, nothing can take that freedom away from you. And that awakening to that, that realization of that is such that when we look out upon the world, though there may have been some history of being aggressive, arrogant, negative, judgmental, or whatever, what we actually see, what we actually feel and, and know is that freedom of other human beings. So in our very way of relating and being with others, that's what we see. And because we see that human beings are essentially free human beings, share in the religious language, Buddha nature, original nature, because we see that, then the old patterns of putting down and judging and negativity and comparing and fearing and all of that, it loses its significance. It's not the truth of who you are. It's not the truth of who we are. Then we're in silence. Then we understand what the last word is. May all beings explore life. May all beings be awakened. May all beings be free. Let's have two or three quiet minutes silence and be in the silence of things together, shall we please? Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.